0: Welcome to Reflections from WT. This is the podcast where we talk a lot about what's going on here on campus and uh, just uh, in the life of people at WT. This is episode number 41. My name is Randy Ray, and I'm joined today by my co-host and the guy that decides if I'm going to get a paycheck every month, Dr. Walter Wendler.
1: Hey, Randy. Hey. It's good to be here. Am I going
0: to get another paycheck? I think so. Okay, good. I think so. Yeah, my, my wife appreciates it. We have a special guest today. We have uh, Today we have Mike Knox who was recently named Vice President of Enrollment Management, uh, and that's a new role for him. So I'm like, welcome. I, w- I want to talk to you about your past a little bit and uh, your love for WT and your new role. Great. yeah, Happy to so, be here. So uh, you've been here since 2014. What made you want to come to West Texas A&M?
2: Wow, you're taking me way back. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, uh, it was an easy decision. I mean— uh, anytime you're in a, you know, looking for a new career path, uh, you look at a lot of job descriptions. And that was no different for me. But when I saw the WT job, uh, I'm, I grew up in West Texas. Well, maybe not. People here may not call it West Texas, but Coleman, Texas is down near Abilene, a small town. Yeah, pretty close. And I uh, went off to Texas AM, but had always said, you know, I just loved growing up that way. And if I ever found a job in a small town like that with a college, that would be the mm-hmm. job for me. And so for it to be a student affairs vice president's job, which is what I was looking for in so Canyon, where Texas. Were you it was, in that, where yeah. were you working right before you Sure, came I in was there. at UT Arlington. So yeah. in the middle of the Metroplex, large yeah. city, and great job. I enjoyed it. But, uh, you know, I just feel so much more connected to the community here and to the both both the university community as well as the town of Canyon than I ever did in, in Arlington.
0: So, when you came here, you
2: were what was your title when you first hired? <laughs> well, on? I've had three now. So, my first title was just a traditional vice president for student affairs. So, my job at the time was to you know, oversee all the student life parts of the university, the student experience. And that's what i had done for my whole career, um, which is now over 20 years old. If I can believe yeah. it, but um so I've been doing that for a long time. What about the second one? Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so after um, I'd done that job for uh, three years here, and uh, Dr. Wendler had been here for a year in his presidency, and he asked me to, to consider taking on the enrollment side as well. So I became VP for student enrollment, engagement, and success. So in addition to the student affairs work, I also had enrollment. enrollment. So I've been doing that for the last five years as well. So your new title is not
0: all that different.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's been a kind of a funny experience over the last couple weeks after the announcement was made. I've gotten a lot of congratulations around town. And for a while I I said, well, thanks. It's really, I've already done the job, but yeah, yeah, it's nice to be supported. But uh, I'm looking forward to having more of a focus.
0: I want to talk to both of you about this. In your title, enrollment was included both times. Correct. Right. <laughs> both your new titles. Why is it, why is enrollment important to a university? And, and let me say this first: Wouldn't it be better? And I'm just being the devil's advocate here. Wouldn't it be better if we had fewer students in the classroom? That way, we could be, be more one-on-one. That is a good. That's a good question. Took some
1: kind of a pill this morning.
0: <laughs> more faculty can do that as well. So
1: that's a, that's the right answer. More faculty can do it.
0: So tell me. So again, why is enrollment so important to a university these days? Well, I mean, the core of our mission is to educate
2: students, right? So. Um, I don't want fewer graduates. I'd like more. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think the Panhandle needs them. The future of the Panhandle's success depends upon, I think, students being educated. Um, We're growing um, and we're also changing. And the change in demographics in the Panhandle is among students who traditionally have not obtained an education, a higher education. Uh, And so I think it's critical for the success of the future of the Panhandle that we are successful with that population. So we need them here in college. Well, I agree with you. I was just...
1: Yeah, and I let me me just say something about, because what's going on with Vice President Knox is, it's interesting. I mean, because he was student affairs, we had enrollment management was separated as a cost-saving measure. And because I thought the integration of these two things would work well, uh, we put them together under Mike's uh, leadership and it did work well. It worked fine. But I hate to say pre COVID, but it's the truth. Pre COVID, yeah. post COVID, things have changed. And we need to really strenuously focus on both aspects. And I think individual leadership, again, is a good idea. And Mike brings to me his knowledge of uh, student affairs and student life on the campus and the impact that has on enrollment. He'll bring that to bear every day when he talks with students and the people that recruit students and so on to come to WT and I think it's uh I think in some ways it's great it was great preparation that those years now almost 5 that he I forget how many years it has been 5 4 or five. 5 yeah uh, you know it's it's great preparation for what lies before us and and Mike has appropriately mentioned the changing demographics our, our student population is 30 percent Hispanic, five percent African American, which, by the way, absolutely reflects the population of the Texas Panhandle. It yeah, is we love that diversity. Actually. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's part of who we are up here, yeah. and uh, it's very important. One of the things thats it's becoming more and more diverse in a sense, we make it to a place where the university is more diverse than the panhandle. My goal is to be uh, reflective of and responsive to the populations that we serve. But a growingly important change in the population is the age. Our student age is creeping up. Many students now are coming to college later in life. We had this Recent case, I won't mention the student's name, but we we had a case where a student, uh, five years out of high school, three kids, married, mm-hmm. three kids, wife encouraged him to uh, to go to Frank Phillips and get a associate's degree. He did what his wife told him, which is always a good thing from my perspective. Uh, he did that, and uh, then they decided, you know, hey, I've got a I've got an knack for this that he didn't know he had when he left high school. He was working jobs, he was job to job, just working jobs, paying, taking care of his family, which is a uh, High calling, the highest calling, I think. But anyway, so then he decided, I'm going to go to WT and get a degree in um, computer and inf- uh, computer information system, CIS, BBA and CI in the College of Business. Well, he finished that, and with flying colors, and he got a job in uh, Austin. Too bad we didn't have a job here for him, part of our job. And Mike just said this, and I just want to reinforce it: is to create opportunities for people to grow new businesses here that have need of the students that we're producing. This young man went to Austin. Austin's fine, but I'd rather have him stay here. Mm-hmm. But now he's working on an MBA in computer, inform- computer information systems. Uh, and I, you know, I, I say more power to this guy, but he is not a traditional student. The idea of a traditional student that's 30 years old, three kids, married, working full time and coming to school, we have got to bend our business to meet these young people and increasingly older people, people with families, you know, single moms, single dads, grandparents, just all kinds of people. I think Mike has a knack for understanding all that that is actually will be the fuel that propels us to the next level at uh, our campus here at WT.
0: We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about what some ideas, Mike, you may have for uh, enrollment and what our fall enrollment projection may be. And I want to talk to you both about the book that you're working on. We'll be back in one minute.
2: West Texas A&M University is the Panhandles University. With
1: a commitment to serving the region and the world, WT is proud to put people, programs, and places first. We are a strong community, a herd of buffaloes proud to call West Texas home. Learn more at wtamu.edu.
0: All right, welcome back to Reflections from WT. This is podcast number 41, and we're talking today to Mike Knox. Mike. Tell us about the fall enrollment projection. How, sure. how are we looking for the fall? Yeah,
2: well, there's uh, there's some definitely some good news in there. Our freshman class, our first time in college, traditional freshman, it looks like it's going to be up a little bit, good. and that's been consistent. You know, yeah. even though it's been challenging in enrollment, the freshmen have done pretty well. Another good piece of news that does impact our enrollment is, you know, we're always looking at last year's freshmen. We call it our retention rate, and who who comes back. Um, and that took a real hit during the pandemic um we we we've always struggled a little bit here as do most regional institutions um but it was it was rough during the pandemic but this year it's going to it's preliminary we won't know until um after uh, the class begins but just a week or so ago we were close to an all-time high in our retention rate so our returners from last year and, you know that'll help us for years because if those students come back from their freshman to sophomore year the odds that they continue on to junior and senior is yeah. much higher, and so that'll be a bubble that goes through for the next three years. And if we can keep that going, we'll uh, we'll have some improvement. What's the biggest challenge in your job? In my, well, the the biggest challenge is, is is this this is on both enrollment and student affairs. And that is keeping students here through graduation. So a lot of factors uh, make that difficult. First of all, it's just the students that we have. So retention. Retention. Retention is the biggest challenge. Retention and persistence all the way to graduation. Yeah.
0: You know, one thing that I have in my 20 years of teaching in higher education, one of the things that I've noticed that is so important for students is that they are engaged outside of the classroom. Uh, And and I believe in that. And I, you know, I tell my students all all the time, you got to dig in and do other things. College is a place where you get to experience things you've never been able to experience before. So talk, talk about that a little bit.
2: Well, it's, that's been a mantra really for me with my own division the last year, I read an article and I've, I've read these articles, my whole career. Uh, There's lots of research into what makes students successful and, really is nothing new things haven't changed but this one article really condensed it and it's been my message to students and parents all summer and it's about what you just said Uh, students have to have two there's two indicators that tell you if they're going to be successful one they had to be connected to a person on campus and we work really hard and i and the student affairs division to make sure they have that connection but they also have to have at least one thing that they do that gives them meaning every week uh, yeah. And that, that can be academic. I mean, if they're really academic-oriented they love their studies and they want to get involved with a research project, more power to them. But for some of them, it's they need to be in a sorority or fraternity or they need to be in a service organization. Or for many students, it's a religious organization. It's all do, sorts Do you of feel
0: things. like we have to push Gen Z a little harder to do that? Yeah.
2: And I tell you, it's been fascinating watching. You know, we had this period, uh, prolonged period of disengagement where everything was online and, yep. and students – it seemed when they came back to campus that there was a hunger. We had some record numbers at Buff Branding and other things, and yet we are struggling to get students to join and mm-hmm. to make commitments that are more than just maybe one evening or an entertainment-based something. So, so yeah, it's been challenging, without a doubt, and we do have to push, um, but we're working hard at it.
0: Dr. Wendler, you've you, you spent most of your professional life working at a university. How important is that that engagement outside of classroom that you've seen in your years of working?
1: Well, Mike, I said it. I think it's a part of what makes a traditional uh, university come to life is mm-hmm. the stuff outside of the classroom. You see it with your students here. Uh, you know, we talked about it could be, Mike said, it could be academic. It could be one of the various uh, service organizations, religious organizations. There's many, many ways for the student to engage student workers. I've got student workers that work for me, five of them. And they're engaged in what mm-hmm. we do in that office. They help. They help run the university, and that connection is really important. And Mike was spot on. I just read a study, uh, and I'm, I quoted a lot because I'm very concerned about student debt. Forty-two percent of the students that leave the uni- university leave because of over indebtedness. Forty-two percent. On the other side of that coin, if you ask why do they stay in the university, why does the student stay? They don't talk about the football team or how nice the grounds are or how the petunias are taken care of. They don't talk about that kind of stuff. They talk about a personal relationship with one or two mentors, whether they're faculty members or staff, the human connection. And we have allowed some of that to go soft because of what we're doing right here, in a sense. We do a podcast, we do videos, we do these things to try to communicate what we're about. And if we think that's the end of the job, we miss the boat. This is step one. Mm-hmm. Step two is go engage somebody, learn their name, know, you know, know what they like to do, talk to them about their lives. That's what's important. And Mike's staff and I will say our faculty do a great job with this. I st- tell this story lately. Uh, it's happened about eight months ago now. But I tell this story of standing around in a, with a group of about 10 or 12 students. I didn't count. And I asked them just out of curiosity, I said, how many of you have the cell phone for all of your faculty members? Half mm-hmm. of them, half of them raise their hand. I said, how many of you have the cell phone for at least one faculty member? They all raise their hand. So there's that intimate connection where people, uh, our faculty reach out, our staff reach out and try to connect to students. And I think that's what builds a strong university experience. I think it's part of
0: the culture here. I, yes, mean, I worked at a different university, which was the culture was totally different. I mean, I I, I only saw my students in the classroom. But at WT, I've been here 20 years. You know, I've had students at my house. We've gone out to dinner. We've gone on trips together. So it's— It is
1: different. And I think that makes a better education. I do, too. Well, in the end, you know, we develop human capital. I hate to be uh, so uh, sort of uh, mechanical about it, but that's what we do. Our output is human capital. It's improved human capital. Somebody that can think differently. A student comes here to be an engineer— And they basically, we say to them, look, you give us $20,000 a year for your classes, your room, and your board, and that's about what it costs. And you do that for four years, and we're going to take a person that's not capable of being an engineer and make them, help make them. An engineer we're going to work with them and give them experiences and insights and knowledge and wisdom that will help them be an engineer or a nurse or a school teacher whatever I just mm-hmm. picked engineering and the fact of the matter is uh, that's what we do that's the that's the uh, the output of the value equation that we run at uh, WT we, we help people become what they want to become the motto for the State University of New York, I started at a SUNY campus in New York at a community college, a two-year school. It was actually a technical school. Well, was it? it was two years, so I call it a community college. But the motto was uh, the, uh, in Latin, which I can't say, but I still remember it. And I didn't care a thing about this kind of stuff. I played a little hockey. I had cars. I worked full-time. I was not interested. Let each become all he is capable of being. Mm. That was literally let each become all he is that he is capable of being. Well, I, I like to paraphrase
0: it earlier. We help people become what they want to become. I yeah. like
1: that. Yeah. With guidance and we're not trying to supplant families or their faith life or anything else. We're trying to augment that because all those things work. Mike and I have just finished a series of seven reflections on student leadership. We're publishing it as an e-book. It's going to be out today to the students as they come back to campus because we think student leadership and engaging students as leaders is important and it will engage them. It'll make, it'll close those synapses, which we think will keep them connected here and improve it, uh, retention and persistence. And I want people from uh, Houston and, uh, I don't know, Mobile, Alabama, maybe Tuscaloosa, Alabama, even though we don't have a Division One football team to say, I want to go study at WT. I heard something about WT. I want to study there. We can do that. We can do it by adhering to the panhandle values. What what brought Mike back from Arlington to here? It's not that Arlington was bad, but it's not Canyon. And I think what makes Canyon Canyon and the panhandle the panhandle are the value systems that our people hold to. They work hard uh, they want to improve, they want to grow, they want to flourish. These are these are high aspirations.
0: So if someone wants to read your ebook, how would they get it?
1: They'll be able to get it on the website tomorrow. They can go you know, the easy way to get it is go just um, in the search bar at the home. I don't know the exact address, but at the search bar, On the WTAMU website, just put in eBooks and they'll find eight or 10 of them. I don't even know how many are out there now. We package up articles, uh, these pieces that I write each week. Now, and sometimes uh, others work with me. Uh, Michael McBroom, we did one on intercollegiate athletics, which I I thought was very nicely done. Not because of me, but because of Michael McBroom. This one is nicely done again, not because of me, but because of Mike Knox. I mean we we've done one on philanthropy we're we're trying to talk about various aspects of the university and then uh, make those more permanent by putting them out as ebooks. And I got a whole stack of them in my office. yeah I I, I mean, it just it's uh, we print them also. This one's not printed yet because we're hot on getting it out as the students come back. My hope, my hope is that students will read that ebook as they, you know, and I know this this podcast is going to be late. Uh, it'll be, the students will have been back already when they hear it, but if they hear it, but I would hope that they would read it early on and say, you know, I'm going to get engaged. I want to learn more about leadership based on what uh, Knox and Wendler have said and what they've written in this yeah. little ebook.
0: Well, I'm anxious to read it. Mike, I, I think I'm speaking for everyone that I know. We, we appreciate having you on campus. You, I think you bring a positive energy to what we do here. Well, thank you, thank I've, you for doing I've,
2: that. I, his, you know, I've worked at a number of institutions and studied at some, and uh, I say this every every chance I get. This is the favorite place I've ever been. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. just a f- fantastic. Yeah. yeah,
0: me too. And I'm not from Coleman. <laughs> okay well I'm gonna throw you guys a curveball our traditional curveball Mike most people may not know maybe some do that you are the father of eight <laughs> that's correct yeah so between the eight kids and you and your wife you you're, you've got your own football team right just about yes yeah. pretty much so I'm gonna ask you both and since we're talking about Mike's big family I'm gonna ask you both about being a father what's a what's your favorite thing about being a father? Well, I'll be interested to hear Dr.
2: Winters because he's got older kids in mind. So yeah. for for me, um, you know, my oldest is a senior in high school. I think probably the most gratifying thing has been as they get to that age, watching them develop as their own person. You know, making yeah. decisions, usually good, sometimes not, but they learn from those and uh and, and just occasionally, when you get a glimpse of maybe an influence that I had or my wife had, mm-hmm. that's pretty that's pretty cool, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Dr. Winler. you know, I, I couldn't add anything to that. That really is uh, true. My great satisfaction comes from seeing them stand on their own, which they do. They're both you know, They have careers that they're good at. They're both dads. I have six grandkids, three in each family. And I'm watching those grandkids now develop. And I, you know, and Mike's right. They don't do everything perfectly. Not the grandkids, not my sons. or Mary's and my sons. But it's it's tremendously rewarding to see them kind of own up to the struggles of becoming. Yeah. You know, of aspiring and becoming. I watch them lead their faith life, which is very important to me. And I think, you know, I'm thankful for that. Um, Yeah. You know, it's just it's just the way it is now since I'm the co-host you're a father you tell us
0: well like you both said I'm very proud of the success both my kids have, have my my daughter's a doctor and my son just got a new job at ESPN so they're very successful I'm proud of them one of the things that I always try to practice whenever I see my kids I try to get them to laugh at least one time and it's getting harder and harder now it's usually just an eye roll because they you yeah. know, but, but <laughs> I'm I, you know I think my favorite sound in the world is the sound of my kids laughter so that's that's good actually
1: yeah. and i would i concur with that i try to get my kids to <laughs> and sometimes in this world it's hard i mean it just yeah. this stuff is not as funny well, as well they've heard all be.
0: my stories and all my jokes so uh, yeah
2: yeah uh, they start to tell them after a while which is that's kind of fun too <laughs> i
1: got my <laughs> grandkids telling my you know my father used to boy, this is weird. Johnny will probably cut this <laughs> uh, My father used to say to us, and I came from a family of six kids and working parents. I mean, they were, my father was a janitor. My mother was a cook in the high school, both in the high school where I went. Well, my father, because his grandfather told him this, Mabel, Mabel in the stable, keep your elbows off the table. <laughs> and my grandkids all know that. That's four <laughs> generations. Yeah. You know, so what little we do, we've got to be thankful that some of it sticks with them. And uh, I told one of them we were just down visiting in uh, Beaumont, and one of my my grandson had his held his elbow on the table. I said, "Mabel, Mabel," he said, "I know, get my elbows off the table." <laughs> Anyway.
0: All right. Well, we will wrap it up on Mabel Mabel. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you for uh, listening to episode number 41. Mike, thank you for being here. Uh, I enjoyed our conversation today. Please join us again next time. It will be episode number 42. We'll see you then.